Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, along with Pastor Jeff Cranston. We're systematically discovering what the scripture teaches regarding what too many of us might believe to be out of reach theological topics. We believe what Dr. Charles Ryrie said about theology, that theology simply means thinking about God and expressing those thoughts in some way. And we're always attempting to do this in a way that's applicable to the lives we live. Because as Spurgeon said, if your theology doesn't change your behavior, it will never change your destiny. Today, we're continuing our study on the doctrine of Christology. In five podcasts, we'll be delving into the study of Jesus Christ. One podcast is under our theological belts already. Actually, I think we have two podcasts do under our theological we belts. We do. Yeah. We do. Two. The first one was on the deity. deity. The second was on the incarnation. incarnation. That was episode 35, and you can check either of those out. No, that was 30, 35 and 36. 35 and 36, yes. We're so Today's well prepared for this, aren't we? Yeah, I'll say them in order. <laughs> 35 is the deity. Yes. 36 is the incarnation, yep. and today, 37, is the topic of the crucifixion. Mm. But before we jump in to this super heavy topic, let's remind everyone about our episode notes, you know, the episodes that clearly we know the numbers of. You know. <laughs> we do now. <laughs> Sometimes these are called show notes, and these are prepared and out there for just about every podcast that we do. They're prepared with you in mind to be a corollary help to you as you dive deeper into the doctrine and theology of the Christian faith. Yeah, Jen, we've got a team of friends. They help us with this. And for those of you who are part of this Kitchen Table Theology podcast family, I really think they can be a help to you because we summarize every podcast for you and we link you to any resources or books, you know, things like that that we've mentioned. We do a breakdown of what we talked about. We link it to a certain time within the podcast. So if you want to go back and review a particular section of a podcast, you can find it easier. And we include tweetable or Instagrammable quotes in there. We include the Bible verses that we mention. There's a link to my website, jeffcranston.com, where you can get all this and more there. So, Jen, because a lot of people don't do episode notes. I, I never sure. used to, but as I got more into podcasts, um, they're really helpful. Where, where can uh, we find ours? Well, they're actually right there in the particular episode. So if you're on a computer, you just scroll down the episode page and you'll see them. And if you're listening on a mobile device, it kind of depends on the platform you're listening from, mm-hmm. but they are super easy to find and access. And we do hope that you'll check out these episode notes and that they will be beneficial to you. Also, Pastor Jeff, our audience is growing and Kitchen Table Theology can now be heard. I'm going to take a deep breath before I list these off. Here we go. On iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Overcast.fm, TuneIn.com, Castro.fm, Castbox, Podfriend, PocketCast, and RSS feeds, and of course, my close love personal friend Alexa. <laughs> Good old Alexa. That's that's <laughs> exciting. Yeah. So thanks for helping us grow this thing, everybody. We sure enjoy it, and uh, we're going to be hitting our ten thousandth. That's hard to say. Ten thousandth download in the next, um, I don't know, month and a half or so, mm-hmm. something like that, probably. So we'll have some fun with that, maybe do a giveaway or something like that. A giveaway of prizes and gifts. and Well, 
I wouldn't make that plural. <laughs> a gift. A gift. Or a prize. Yeah, something. Uh, we'll do something. And we'll throw a little podcast party of some sort right here on <laughs> Kitchen Table Theology. So, okay, there you go. Thank you for being a part of our Kitchen Table Theology family and, again, for seriously being so supportive. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into today's topic, which is a serious one, the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah, Jen, this is probably one of the more sober topics that we'll tackle, but how incredibly important it is. You know, we're talking today about something that was reserved for the worst of criminals. Uh, Crucifixion, a, a means of showing extreme contempt for the condemned. The Romans came up with this, and it was nasty. The suffering and humiliation of a Roman crucifixion were unequaled. But I'll tell you how they used it. The true story, it's it's likely we've all heard of Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody's heard of him. At one point early in his political career, feelings were running really high against him, so much so that he thought, you know, it's best for my life if I leave Rome. Mm-hmm. So he headed for the island of Rhodes out in the Aegean Sea, but en route, His ship was attacked by pirates, and they captured Julius Caesar. The pirates demanded a ransom of 12,000 gold pieces, which that sounds like a lot today. And Caesar, though, he had the money, so he sent his staff, his minions, whoever he had, (laughs) to go and arrange the payment. So Julius Caesar ended up spending almost 40 days with his kidnappers, and he would jokingly tell these pirates on several occasions that, he, he would tell them, someday I'm going to capture you guys, and I'm going to crucify you to a man. Mm-hmm. And they were greatly amused by this. But when the ransom was paid and Caesar was freed, the first thing he did was gather a fleet and pursue the pirates, and he captured them all and crucified every one of them to a man. Mm-hmm. That was their attitude towards uh, crucifixion. Don't mess with Julius. Don't mess with Julius. I guess so. And it's really hard for us to imagine any other scene in all human history that stirs the emotion and as think and imagination. It's mm. hard to even conceptualize Jesus Christ dying on a Roman cross with pierced hands and feet and a crown of thorns on his head. It forever raises this question just in your gut of why. Why was the only sinless one the world has ever known put to death as if he were a common criminal? Why was his death even necessary? Why was he willing to die? Why did his father permit his life to be taken? Why, why, why? What What did his death really accomplish? Are you done? I That's am. A, There's a lot of whys and what. <laughs> you know, I love reading Oswald Chambers. My utmost for his highest is just an absolute classic. He wrote a few other things, but he wrote something along these lines on this. He said, very few of us have any understanding of the reason why Jesus Christ died. Mm. If sympathy is all that human beings need, the cross of Christ is a farce. There was no need for it. What the world needs is not a little bit of love, but a surgical operation. Mm. And you know he's referring to it in those kinds of terms. Mm-hmm. So great question. So let's lean in a little bit about why his death on the cross was so significant. Maybe in some other words, let's address your last question there and talk about what was accomplished for us by the death of Christ. His death has to be viewed in its relation to the whole plan of salvation, for only then can we really see 
its true significance. And I, I think it's foundationally important for us to understand and grasp that his death was vicarious. Now, the word vicarious is one of those theological terms that we love to use here because it gives us a chance to explain a very awesome concept in theology. This is why we do kitchen table theology. A lot of people hear, you know, a theological term, hypostatic union. We've mm-hmm. talked about that before in our last podcast. Uh, the word um, vicarious, and 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 people go, that's you know, it's too much. Let me just run away from that. Well, or we have a different cultural meaning of it. I'm going to live vicariously through right. this person, and, and it's yeah. a legal term in our. Um, it's also a, a legal thing in, in insurance, and mm-hmm. but this doesn't have to do with any of, of that. A vicarious act, theologically speaking, when we're talking about what Jesus did for us, just of any any vicarious act is is an act performed by one person instead of another, and performed by one person in be, on behalf of another. So Christ died in the place of all of us, and a sacrifice is effectual. For anyone who chooses to accept him as their substitute. And if you if you think of the words substitution or delegation or surrogate, you begin to scratch the surface in getting the idea of vicarious. Mm-hmm. And his death had to be vicarious because Jesus did not die for his own sins. Mm. He, again, was sinless. And doesn't the Bible repeatedly tell us that Christ died for the sin of of others. It absolutely does. So let's just pull up a few verses here. Uh, let's grab one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. In Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, Isaiah, the prophet says, but he, Jesus, he was pierced through for our transgressions, so our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, chastening for our well-being fell upon him. By his scourging, we are all healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And then in Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, mm-hmm. according to the will of our God and Father. We're reminded here, Jen, that because of the crucifixion, Jesus died for our sins and all of us. He paid the penalty for all of us with his body and his blood. And, you know, when we stop to think about it on the surface, that's what hardly makes sense. You know, after all, Jesus came and proclaimed a message of the love of God. He healed people. He raised the dead. He made the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf heard, and the mute spoke. He delivered people from demonic opposition and possession and oppression. Why in the world would people have wanted him dead? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, But I think a large part of that answer lies in the fact that, you know, it wasn't only some people who wanted him dead. There's a larger part in this. Mm -hmm. There, There has, for eons, been a battle raging in the heavenlies. And Satan knew why Jesus came, and he wanted to thwart and stop and any other descriptive term you can think of. He wanted to stop our redemption from ever happening. And the bottom line is, we needed a payment for our sins, and Jesus was the only one capable of providing that. Mm-hmm. And that's what we call the story of redemption. Because of Jesus' atoning sacrifice on the cross, those who place their faith and trust in Him alone for salvation 
are guaranteed eternal life. And yet, in addition to that, you know, it just didn't end there. Jesus called his followers. You remember that verse, take up your cross and follow me. So there the crucifixion goes from us picturing Jesus hanging there on the cross of Calvary. Mm -hmm. And then he brings it down and puts it in our lives and says, okay, now I want you to take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. And can we talk about that for a second? Because this is something that's always bothered me, this this idea. And I, I know it's not meant to be this weighty thing, but when people say th- this idea of bearing your cross, it's lost a lot of its original meaning. Right. You know, I feel like whenever we hear, hear the term being used, people are talking about something inconvenient or bothersome that they have to do on their own, you know. And, and there are serious things like... Like your Prius is the cross you have to bear. Prius is a joy and a delight. <laughs> you could hear somebody, though, jokingly say, oh, raising teenagers, that's my yeah, cross to yeah. bear. Oh, or yeah. the eight loads of laundry I have, that's mm-hmm. my cl- cross to bear. No, wait, here's serious things, too. You know, like Alzheimer's is the cross our family has mm-hmm. to bear. But it, a lot of times it's just like, I don't know, mowing the lawn. Mowing yeah. the yard is my cross to bear with that push mower out there. Yeah, that, that whole phrase has come into the lexicon of our own language, but it, it's, it's lost its significance in great measure. You know, for Christians, we've got to keep in mind that Jesus, when he said that, he was calling his disciples to engage in radical self-denial. The cross meant only one thing to a first century person, and it meant death. That's all it meant. You know, we've we've prettied the cross up. We wear it around our neck. It, it's become jewelry, you know. Well, that would be like wearing uh, an electric chair around mm. your neck, you know, as mm-hmm. a piece of jewelry. It was an mm. it was an instrument of execution. Jesus told us, "Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it." So he brings in the whole sense that we've got to be willing to lose our lives for him, really, in every sense of that that phrase. Paul, when he's writing to the Galatians, he reiterates that theme of death to our sinful selves, and and then rising to walk in a new life through Christ, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Mm. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And, you know, I suppose there's a gazillion and one different directions we could have gone with today's topic, but... Mm -hmm. How could we really speak about Christ's crucifixion without mentioning its vicarious nature? Well, I don't I don't think we could have. And I think had we not mentioned that, we would have really not been doing it justice. Mm-hmm. It's foundational to everything that happened on the wood of that cross. So to help us apply that, the 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 vicarious atonement of Christ, our our you know, he he got in our place and paid our penalty. Let's apply that a little bit. So maybe to help us get there, why don't you ask us your very world-famous question? So what? (laughs) (laughs) So what? Really, what what does this mean for us? I think we can make a really good guess, but we want to hear it straight from you. Well, let's let's wrap it up with what I think is pretty interesting perspective on the crucifixion, and it's something Jesus said himself in, in John chapter 10. He said the reason... My father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down 
of my own accord. And he's talking there about his death, and he knows it's going to be crucifixion. He mm-hmm. he knows he's not going to be killed by the mob who stoned him or something like that. He knows he's going to a Roman cross. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I love about that verse, and that's John uh, 10, 7, and 8, I think, two verses. One of the things I love about what Jesus said there is that no one took his life from mm-hmm. him, but rather he gave it of his own accord, and he did it willingly. And the fact that he gave it really ties into our previous podcast on the incarnation, you know, the giving uh, of the ultimate ultimate gift. Let, let me share this true story. A guy named Joseph Damien, he was a 19th century missionary, and he ministered to people with leprosy on the island of Molokai, Hawaii. Now, if you're going to be a missionary, that was a pretty good gig, not right? Bad. Not a bad joint. <laughs> but not so much in the uh, 1800s and definitely not so much working among lepers. But the people that he ministered to, they were suffering from leprosy. They grew to love him. But even he, he didn't know the price he was eventually going to have to pay. One morning before he was to lead daily worship uh, for the, the leper colony there, he poured some boiling water into a cup when it swirled out and fell on his bare foot, it took him a moment to realize he didn't feel any mm. sensation. He didn't feel that boiling water hit his foot. Mm. And he was just gripped by sudden fear of what that could mean. So he poured a little bit more water on the same spot, no feeling whatsoever. And Damien immediately knew what was going mm. on in his body. Mm-hmm. And so he walked tearfully to deliver that morning's, you know, kind of, they, they did like a, a a morning chapel and he would do a little morning uh, chapel homily kind of thing. So on his way there, he always opened every day with the same line. He would greet them and he would say, my fellow believers, mm-hmm. every day he would mm-hmm. say that. That day he began, my fellow lepers. Mm-hmm. Now, you think of the cost there. It's one thing to minister and pour out your life into other people. When there's still some distance between the minister and the receiver, he was not a leper, they were. It's quite another thing when sacrifice closes that distance and really painful reality. Mm-hmm. But think of how Christ condescended mm. to become one of us. He came into the world knowing what obedience to the Father would cost him. Joseph Damien, when he went out to Hawaii, he didn't know he was going to eventually become a leper. Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, he knew exactly what was coming, and he, he did it anyway. He was fully aware, that, you know, the words of Isaiah, that it would be the Father's will to crush him, and still, you know, here, here he came. Mm-hmm. So you think about crucifixion as we wrap this up. Jesus goes to the cross willingly full knowledge of what it's going to cost him. But he did it that our lives might be transformed, our lives might be restored. And perhaps as you listen today, maybe you find yourself, you're you're just kind of beset by feelings of failure, perhaps even shame or worthlessness over a decision that you've made or the direction of your life as you're looking at your life right now. Well, the crucifixion of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, reminds us that he came and he he dearly paid the price for your failure, my failure. And that alone is a reason for great hope 
And that's a hope that Jesus gives, which never disappoints as God pours his love into our hearts. And so the crucifixion of Christ is as horrible as it was. Uh, If you've ever read a uh, physician's Mm -hmm. summary of what crucifixion did to the human body, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just barbaric. Mm -hmm. It's tortuous. And I think the scriptures even note that to, to follow to death, comma, Mm-hmm. Even death on a cross, right. like that's yeah. even pulled out. Yeah, and First mm-hmm. Peter, I think, mm-hmm. says that. And it was a horrible way to die. But Jesus came knowing all that was in front of him. Mm-hmm. Which, man, you know, to go through that knowing that that's hanging over your head, so to speak, your entire life. And mm-hmm. when he begins his ministry, his public ministry, he knows that's where this is headed. Mm-hmm. But he also knew it didn't stop there. Mm-hmm because he was going to rise again on the third day Mm -hmm. and ascend into heaven and where he's seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. So the crucifixion, as as horrible as it was, it gives us salvation. There's there's no other way. And, uh, you know, I I, I learned a long time ago, if uh, just being humans, if God had given us 10 ways of salvation, we'd have wanted 11. (laughs) And if he'd have given us 100 ways, we'd would have wanted 101, but Mm -hmm. we really can just sign off with this today. We can be so thankful that God gave us one way, one way uh, through his son, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross. Absolutely. Well, today's podcast has given us a lot to think about and a lot, a lot to be thankful for. And we are, like most of the time here on Kitchen Table Theology, only scratching the surface. But we do hope it gives you a good place to start to understand further and deeper the importance of this incredible doctrine of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So once again, thank you as always for joining us. And as we wrap up today's podcast, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. We really appreciate you spending your time with us. We certainly enjoy it, Mm -hmm. and we hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. Our next podcast will be on the resurrection of Jesus. There's the end of the story or the continuation of the story. (laughs) We hope you will join us and check out today's show notes. Leave us a rating and review if you haven't already. And we'll see you here next time right here on Kitchen Table Theology. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.